Listen to Mark and Neanderthal when you get to work with the free KSLX app. Sounds good and loud. 100.7 KSLX. Let's go to Glendale and say good morning to Cheryl. Get her enrolled in Mark and Neanderthal's middle school. Nick Mason tickets up for grabs if you can successfully answer two out of three questions correctly. Good luck. Thank you. All right, Cheryl. Yeah, this is for Nick Mason and his saucer full of secrets. The drummer from Pink Floyd doing his Pink Floyd show. So, Cheryl, small talk question. Do you have a dog? Yes, I do. Okay. We're going to ask you about dog breed intelligence, according to Reader's Digest, and based on science. Which of these two breeds is considered smarter? A border collie or a pit bull? A border collie. That is correct. Yes. Mm. You know what we need instead of a wall is just a bunch of border collies guarding the border. Mm. It's in their name. Yep. Anyway, your next question, which breed is considered smarter? The Doberman Pinscher or the German Shepherd? German Shepherd. Uh, that is correct also. In fact, let me give you the stats. The Border Collie was voted as the number one most intelligent dog. Doberman Pinscher comes in at five. German Shepherd is three. So you've gotten both of the first two questions correct. You're easily as smart as a Border Collie, by the way. And here's your last question, just for fun, because you're already a winner. Miniature Schnauzer or Golden Retriever, which is more intelligent? Golden Retriever. That is also correct. Golden Retriever clocks in at number four, whereas your miniature Schnauzer is number 12. You know, Retrievers are so smart, they even know to put I before E in Retriever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thought that would have got a bigger laugh. (laughs) Hang on, Cheryl. Sorry, man. I I had your back on that one. (laughs) So, uh, that show, by the way, Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. It's the drummer from Pink Floyd doing Pink Floyd stuff at the Madison Center of the Arts, October 22nd. Uh, That's on 16th Street, by the way, just north of Missouri. Let's not waste any time. We'll get right into it here. It's... It's happened once again. This is a phenomenon that is spreading worldwide with the Mark and Interpol program. It's time for another Mark and Interpol nun sighting. You don't see him very often, or do you? I saw a nun. I saw a nun, so I say, just call us. Yep, you see a nun. Give us a call, 480-470-KSLX. Take a photograph of the nun, send it in to us, email to marketkslx.com or neanderpolkslx.com. And obviously, we're going to obscure the nun's face because we want to respect their privacy. Exactly. Yeah. Even if they don't live around here, which is kind of what happened. Art, you had to go out of town for this to happen, right? Well, um, I was actually went back for my 50th high school reunion back to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, actually, it was uh, the school Fairview High School, one of the suburbs. And I love driving around, you know, looking at the you know the city because I haven't been back there in for thirty some years. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, just to see the changes in that we're driving around by downtown, down by Lake Erie, and we're going down one of these side streets, and just like, oh my gosh, 
you know, I'm taking pictures of houses and architecture and that sort of thing, and these nuns are all walking like down the road, and it's like I got to get a picture of this. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an amazing picture, though. You know, we've got it posted at uh, the Mark and the Enterpol Facebook page, but there are literally, I, what is it? It's like a dozen. It's a, it's a, you could really call it a flock of nuns. A gaggle. Yeah. It, it, exactly. Yeah, and it was kind of crazy because you know, they were like, you know, being out just for a stroll. Like, like to me looks like a football and, team you know, they just waved yeah they just waved and everything it was just like okay they weren't being shy or you being you know reserved or whatever you want to call it so yeah shy nun is cool. my favorite wine by the way <laughs> so yeah it's it's so funny that you had to go to cleveland ohio that area for your 50th reunion to have a nun sighting to experience it I don't get out much around here, so I had to go out of town to do this. <laughs> nice right, job, well you Art. Did, yeah. Nice that traveling is right there. Nun sighting number thirty-two. Wow! Since January of wow. twenty twenty-two, we thought ten would be a lot. Yes, I did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he went out of town and saw it. Now, was it the Blues Brothers where the guy says, "I hate Ohio nuns"? No. No? What was no, it? No, no. It was I Hate Illinois Nazis. That's right. I yeah. got them confused. Yeah, okay. no, you should never confuse Ohio nuns with Illinois Nazis. Yeah. Well, I they're haven't not seen the, the Blues Brothers in a while. Yeah, they're so. not the same yeah. at all. So all right. Gonna... All right. Well, you know, it's all good when you have a nun sighting. Out in public, you don't often see one. So call when you see a nun. Oh, call when you see a nun. When you see a nun, a nun, when you see a nun. We were talking yesterday about a helicopter that had crashed along the Beeline Highway, 87. Yeah, it was weird. We got this, you know, this news alert that said that, you know, several law enforcement and rescue organizations operations were underway. And... I, you know, where we are, we can't really see the Beeline Highway. You know, the, the, no. the view, we have one of the best views in Valley Radio. You look right over at Camelback Mountain and stuff, but we couldn't see it. And I don't know that I've ever witnessed any sort of a plane going down, you know, under duress or anything like that in my life. I don't know what, I don't know how I would react to it. Yeah, it's weird. I, I saw one at night a while back. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, but. Oh, um, yeah, that one that went into the superstitions. Yeah, it, we, into, we both. I think it actually went into an apart, like an apartment complex under construction. It was okay. weird. Yeah, it was weird. I We're talking about two different crashes because oh. I saw the one that it was, I don't know, three, four years ago that went into the Superstition Mountains. Remember that one? It was all the, the glow. You yeah. could see the glow from the fire. Yeah, it was a, a, t- a terrible plane crash. So this one yesterday, uh, this is a helicopter and it went, you know, went down on the on in, de- in the desert, uh, you know, Salt River, Pima, right. Indian land. Yeah. And um, both people in the chopper. Walked away from it. Which, by the way... Which is amazing. ...is awesome. And that's why I, I was actually looking for updates this morning. I can't even find the story this morning. And it's I, so you know, unnotable. It's, <laughs> you, you know, it's because, probably because nobody nobody died, which is great. Yes. Um, because it would be a bigger story had somebody passed. But um, it, it's weird. I, I don't know what caused it. Right. And because, you know, I'm not a... I'm not a, an, an aviation, air, an expert. aviation yeah. expert, but I, it, it got me gravity, to thinking. Gravity caused it, yeah, Mark. There it, you go. You're welcome. It got me to thinking about how in every single TV show or movie, like I just watched Rambo again recently. It's, sure. you know, the, the first Rambo, First Blood, it's called. Right. And there's that scene where he's being pursued and he's like, you know, in this rugged outback terrain and he's on, you know, trapped on the side of a mountain and there's a helicopter right. and he happens to hit one of the blades with a bullet. Of course. 
And of course, right. the chopper then, you know, whooshes straight up and then spins madly out of control. And you see it in every single show or, or you know, anything yeah. time there's a chopper. Yeah. If anything, I mean, if a twig hits the blade, right. it spins madly out of control. What I thought when watching the video uh, of that, of that, you know, where the, where the helicopter crashed. And then I've seen this before where we've seen a couple times where planes land the wrong way or certain there's a, a crash from the sky. And my first thought is, where's the kaboom? <laughs> right. There was supposed to be an earth shattering kaboom. There was And none. it's not. Yeah, it, it, it's I not mean, there. The thing did break into a lot of pieces, but, and amazingly, these, these two people walked away. But what you're talking about is the, uh, the, uh, spinning madly out of control. Spinning madly out of control and then erupting into a huge fireball. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious if there's a, a helicopter person out there, chopper, uh, you know, a chopper, right. a chopper pilot, somebody who, <laughs> a mechanic or something like that. Is that all BS? Of course it is, you know? Mark. Well, I'm, I'm just asking because, Look, I'm you know, no- for years I think we all thought that any time your car drove off the road right. and went into a ditch, it was going to explode. Well, Because you- that's what happened on TV, even well. if it rolled to a stop. Or if you owned a Ford Pinto, that, would, happened, yeah, yeah, well, that happened a lot. It would explode in flames. And I'm just curious if that's if that's BS. All right. I'm going to I'm going to throw my amateur metallurgist uh, hat on here for a second. Let's talk about this for a second. Uh, the helicopter blades, if I am correct, are at least hardened steel, if not tungsten. You know, you would need something that is fairly durable. Certainly. And I would assume most bullets are lead. So if I if I consult the periodic table of the elements, I do believe that tungsten and or steel have harder molecular structures than lead. I don't know that shooting a tail, a rotor blade on a on a on a helicopter is going to chip that blade or knock it out of alignment or whatever it is. Because lead being softer than steel, I would assume that that blade was just going to pirouette the, the the lead bullet right. off of it like it's it's spinning at like four thousand revolutions per minute or per second or whatever it is. Right. It's like I, a, I just don't think it's possible. But it's I, like a bat, I a bat hitting a ball away. You know? Yeah, or it, it look, if you've, ever, away, if so. you've ever thrown a Cheerio at a desk fan, that's kind of the same reaction. I would assume. I don't know. I'm no pilot. 480-470-KSLX. 480-470-KSLX. If there's a chopper person out there, let us know what the hell. Is it BS? Well, right, you so know what we've learned? Yeah. We clearly know nothing about aviation. That's not true. I know how to fasten the seatbelt. Oh, that's a good so. point. Yeah, well, you did pay attention. Um, so we were talking about the the chopper that went down yesterday. Both people walked away from it kind of miraculously. Yeah, I mean, look, any, um, any landing you can walk away from, isn't that what they talk about? Yeah. yeah any it, landing you'll walk away from is a good landing. It was out on the uh, out on Beeline Highway in the desert there. Yeah. It's funny, I, you know, I'm looking at a diagram of a helicopter here. I, I enjoy that the side things that you'd stand on are called the landing skids because that's what I would have had yesterday. Landing, landing skids. Absolutely, yeah. I skids. Actually, absolutely would have had landing skids. skids. Yep, there would have skid, been skid marks everywhere. <laughs> Probably worse. Yeah. Yes. All right, but the question is, you know, in TV, <laughs> movies, you always see, you know, choppers going down because somebody hit hit the, the blades with something. Yeah, they got to throw a rock at it, a frisbee, whatever yeah, it is. Right. It just seems so. I mean, I, I think to myself, are our helicopters that brittle? I mean, because we've been using them in war for a long time, right? Yeah. So it's just a question. Yeah, hi. I've got a take on it. Um, I've worked in aerospace for over thirty-five years, mm-hmm. and from my experiences, everything has its weights and balances. So that rotor is spinning 
at a very high RPM, but it's also very well balanced. I mean, very precisely. So, some, I mean, the bullet wouldn't penetrate it, but it would ding it or cause an indention in it, which would then throw it out of balance. And yeah. something spinning that fast out of balance would would um, would cause some significant damage. All right, so that's you, my take on it. Uh, no, I, and I and, and certainly respect your take. So, what you're saying is helicopters are literally that easy to shoot down. Um, not well. I, uh, they could I guess, be. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it could be. All right. All right. But you got to be a really good shot like Rambo. Right. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I would assume. Yeah. Yes. Because Rambo had an eagle eye. <laughs> he did. All right. Thank yeah. you. Anyway. Wicked um, headband. You guys have a good morning. <laughs> Thanks, man. You couldn't shoot down the chopper in the canyon like Rambo did if you didn't have an eagle eye. Of course. Right. And, and a kick ass and a kick ass hairband. Yes. Headband on, on now. Your head. Had Brian Dennehy, who was portraying the evil sheriff, been on the chopper, that might have helped to balance it back out. Maybe, but he sure, wasn't. Yes. He was up on the ridge. Look, he was to die later in the movie. Here's all you need to know. If you've ever had a warped rim on your bicycle <laughs> and you've spun it and you see how much it makes, mm-hmm. the, makes the bike wobble, I would assume that's sort of the same reaction. What I still don't understand is why every vehicle in every show explodes on impact. <laughs> well, I mean, that and that and if you ever see it, the other ones is when there's somebody in a car and they're going down a hill or a steep incline and all of a sudden their brakes go out, why don't they just downshift? Why don't they just <laughs> throw the car in park? You know yeah, what I mean? I, yeah. I know. It's, you know. <laughs> doesn't happen as much the as... Kaboom! Yeah. The, uh, the exploding car doesn't happen as much now as it did in the 70s. That was a staple. Oh, my God, I mean, yeah. you, if you just rolled off the road, you hit a divot or something, you'd explode. By the way, if you ever did, if you never wondered what the backstory was from the A-Team. They were stormtroopers in a, in a previous life because look at the how many guns were used in the A-Team show back in the 80s. How many Jeeps were rolled, trucks were rolled. Nobody ever died in that show. Mm-hmm. That was the ultimate in like safe gunplay. So that was probably B.A. Baractus and the other guy <laughs> on the chopper yesterday. It could be, yeah. yeah. Yep. get right into things this morning with how much do you make let's ask you the question how much do you make give us a call how much do you make we'll ask you a few questions how much do you make how much do you make how much do you make and we'll try to guess uh, what your job pays because this this basically stemmed out of a conversation that mark and i had where we basically guessed somebody's salary and we were completely out of bounds we thought well we don't even know what a real job pays anymore so Let's talk to Dan. All right. Dan, what do you do? I am the safety director for a masonry company. Dan, the safety director. All right. How many years have you been doing this? 24. And when you say masonry, do you talk, do you mean like guys having to be down in a ditch while you're pouring concrete foundations? Or do you mean guys above the ground pouring sidewalks? Actually, it's uh, we do concrete, we do block and stone and brick. Do you do mostly sort of uh, commercial sites, industrial sites, that sort of thing, or is it residential also? Mostly commercial and industrial. Residential is only multi-million dollar homes. All right. So, okay. as a as the safety director for a mason company, does your company make the blocks and everything at their facility and then truck them to the site, or do they manufacture the cement and concrete on site and then install it? 
Actually, all the materials delivered to a job from the vendors, and then we install it into the job site. Right. I have an idea of what a mason would make, you know, a typical... Or a bricklayer. Yeah, bricklayer, a working man, you know, who's maybe doing a little overtime, that sort of thing. So I'm thinking yours is a more specialized vocation, and I'm going to go at about... $110,000 per year. I think that's a little high. I'm going to go with 72.5. What do you got? 90K. All right, so right around in the middle. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> Split the difference there. <laughs> it, very interesting. Well, listen, keep everybody safe out there, okay? Hey, thanks a lot. Love you guys. Keep up the great work for it. Appreciate you listening. Thank you. See ya. Boy. That's a tricky one. I had no idea where to start with that one even. Well, I, you know, I don't I don't even know like what masonry work is anymore. Like cuz it's so different now. It's a black tops, cement and concrete. There's all you know? kinds of it yeah, could be and, all and kinds the, of and masonry. There's specialists. It's you're not just a bricklayer anymore. It used to be bricklayer was a bricklayer was a bricklayer and a bricklayer poured concrete too. Yeah, but and now uh, and now there's so much specialization. I don't even know. I don't great even... line for picking up chicks, though. Safety director at a masonry company. Hell yeah! Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. That, you'll right. get a lot of chicks with that right <laughs> so, there. So that's how you play a little game we call "How much do you make?" How much do you make? Ninety thousand dollars. Yeah. How much do you make? At the masonry company. It has her attention. How much do you make? How much do you make? How much do you make? If you uh, if you want to give us a buzz. You can always do that. 480-470-KSLX, and we'll try and guess how, how much, much do you, you make. make. It's Mark and Neander, Paul, and it's a good day for us. You know, we each came up to, uh, drove up to work this morning. Had a nice little, <laughs> nice little middle lane to yeah, sit in and, we've been and whining prepare about it. for our turn. Yeah, we've been yeah. whining about it for quite some time. I, I wonder if our complaining about it hastened the finishing of the project on 52nd Street because it was only, only supposed to take three weeks and it took over four months. I don't want to say that we put the city of Phoenix on blast because you sound like an <laughs> idiot when you do that. Uh, but I believe we put the city of Phoenix on blast. <laughs> and I believe that our blasting... Yep. Cause them to, you know, it's embarrassing, really, quite frankly. Uh, a major city like this having taking that long for a simple resurfacing of a street. It was weird. Yeah. It really was, especially since we, we saw the work order. It was supposed to take three weeks and yeah, they, started in May. They literally gave us a copy. They emailed us a copy of the work order. We saw it, the official work order. We actually posted it in the Mark and Paul Facebook page. And uh, people were like, well, you know, the decimal point was in the wrong place or whatever it was. Yeah, right. They were just making I, stuff up. I mean, I literally almost got squashed on Saturday. In the middle of the day, yeah, turning in here because there were no turn lanes, yeah, and the guy behind me was not slowing down. Nope, I had to cut people off, and uh, you know everybody was fine, but only two days later, we got a turn lane. Yeah, everything is done. Everything, all the the lanes are painted. Everything is good. So if you're coming to the radio station, it is a much safer trip for you. Absolutely, you're welcome. I like our parking lot too because we have actually three points of entry because we're connected to the parking lot of the building just south of us. Are you saying we have a three input parking lot? We have three points of entry to our parking lot. Okay then. Yeah. You don't have to take the northernmost driveway. You can take the southernmost if there's cars coming the other way. I take the northernmost driveway all the time. Just habitually? Yeah, because I see the, the Hubbard radio sign. There's a big Hubbard radio sign yeah. there, and I just I just turn in there. I don't huh. know why. Yeah, the, I'm a creature of habit. The two driveways before that will still get you in here because we're connected to the next business. I know this now. Which is convenient. I know this now. I turned into a driveway on Friday night trying to meet my son at a sports bar, 
And I was like literally 20 feet away, but I could have been a million miles away because I was in the wrong parking lot and you weren't allowed to park in the other parking lot. But there was the border, the concrete barriers between the two lots. I had to turn out back onto the street. The struggle was real. Hey, uh, a little a little callback to what we were talking about last week. Um, I actually used somebody's driveway to do a to do a turnaround over the weekend, pulled into their driveway. It was nighttime, pulled into the driveway. And as I pulled in the driveway, I guess my headlights swept to the front of the house. Right. And the front door opened. The guy was like, who the hell is here at this hour of the night. It was so strange. I thought I was going to get shot. I, well, I told you the story about middle of summer, in the middle of the day, parking under the only shade on this one cul-de-sac. Right. As I waited for somebody down the street when I was doing real estate, and a woman comes out flailing her arms. Who are you? What are you doing here? And they actually, she and her neighbor ran my license plate. They had some kind of connection with somebody. They thought maybe they knew my name. And I was like, I'm just, I'm a real estate agent. This is the only shade on the street. It's 111 degrees. (laughs) Will you relax? No, if a car's parked in front of your house for more than two hours, man, if you live in a certain neighborhood, that's that Gladys Kravitz deal. Let's get into a double shot of the Mark and Andrew Paul dumbass of the day. Yeah, two stories. Now, this first one, I'll bet every, I'll bet police wish that every case was this easy. In Lakewood, Washington, one week ago, police got a call about a stolen car at 1.53 a.m. Well, nothing good happens at 1.53 a.m., mm. except for if you're a police officer and you get a call about a stolen car. <laughs> when police arrived, they found the car, which was a Mini Cooper, right. but didn't see the person who had allegedly stolen it. Not to be confused with a Winnie Cooper who has grown up to be very attractive. So, however, they didn't have the person, but they did have a lead. That took them right to the woman who had stolen the car. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. They were able to find her easily because after stealing the car, the woman had driven through a construction site and got the car stuck in eight-inch deep, freshly poured concrete. Yes, because a Mini Cooper is not an all-terrain vehicle. Mm -mm. No, sir. No, police simply followed the footprints in the concrete (laughs) and then the footprint smears leading down the street and found the woman walking around. Footprints in the concrete is my favorite Judy Bloom novel. Yeah, I'm sure you knew that. Yeah. yeah. And then there's 20-something Tulsa, Oklahoma resident Edward Price, who until recently was having a field day breaking into apartments and stealing electronics and guns. At any price. Yep. Edward would kick in the door, and whether somebody was home or not, he'd steal electronics and guns. Oh, all right. One foolish move, though was that in at least five of the burglaries, Edward did it in his own apartment complex. Well, you know, you want to mm. travel close to home. You don't yeah. want to make sure that you have to carry everything a long way. Who wants a long commute? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I understand that. By the way, the idea that anybody makes their living stealing electronics and guns mm-hmm. means that on, on occasion, if you kick in a door, there's a good chance you'll be greeted by the business end of a gun. <laughs> electronics and guns, yeah. yes. Sometimes electronic guns. <laughs> Another foolish move was wearing very identifiable clothes Clothing. Ah, you mean like a uniform? Uh, no, Edward, you see, is a, a big SpongeBob SquarePants fan. Oh, is he? Several witnesses mentioned that the only distinguishing characteristic they could recall was that the assailant wore SpongeBob shorts and socks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This eventually led police to Edward's apartment, 
Not to be confused with Squidward's apartment. No, that's below the sea. Mm-hmm. Where they found not only lots of electronics and guns, but the true smoking gun, a dryer full of SpongeBob-themed clothing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You own multiple SpongeBob-themed clothing items? Big fan. Multiple? Yep. And to top it off, Edward's a convicted felon. No. So he can't have guns. Yep, felon in possession. He can have SpongeBob clothing, but he's not going to be wearing much of that. No. Or he's going. Unless that's part of the prison uniform. <laughs> Edward and the concrete lady will make them both Mark and Neanderthal dumbasses of the day. Hey, I think those are two beautiful stories you just told. And they were sponsored by Roadrunner Harley Davidson. RoadrunnerHarley.com is where you'll find them and the largest pre-owned inventory in the state. They've raised the... Uh, the amount of money you can make for sitting on a trial for jury duty. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the Arizona State Supreme Court. It was twelve bucks a day. Twelve? Twelve. It hasn't been raised in over fifty years. Well, that is uh That's that a, is, that's behind the times is what that is. I, I would say yes. Yes. Twelve dollars, huh? Now you can make up to $300 a day. That seems like a sizable <laughs> difference. Somebody's been holding out. Yeah. Is the only thing you can draw from that. This is like when... Uh, By the way, just just so you know, we're paying for that. That's, I mean, of that's coming, out of, our, coming yeah. out of our pocket. Yeah. It's like when uh, when free agency came into baseball, and all of a sudden they could play. They could pay players sure. hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars over several years. So it's kind of like, oh... You did have the money. I think when I was, I think when I was, uh, I was on one jury in California, Northern California, like twenty years ago. I think it was either thirty-eight or forty-two dollars for the day. day. Yeah, for the day. Okay, that kind of makes sense for California. Something like that. Yeah, twenty years ago. I mean, think about it. The they haven't raised this money in over fifty years. The minimum wage, I believe, federally in nineteen seventy-two was one dollar and sixty cents an hour. Can you imagine making that now? How insane Uh, that would be. I can actually. <laughs> no, you can't. You wouldn't be. You no. You'd be. You'd be dead on the side of the road. Yeah. No. No. It's a. a but. But here's the thing. Suddenly now I want to do jury duty because. But who, <laughs> who makes the who's the arbiter? How much do you get? I'm not that? sure. Is, is it based upon your yearly salary? It, and you gotta. It's between forty dollars and three hundred dollars per day. So they've at least tripled it because it was twelve bucks a day. That's where it topped out at. Um, yeah. That's that's a big. You want to talk about inflation? There's your example right there. Well, see, I, I, what I want to know is who's the arbiter of how much you get paid in that situation. Do you got to get? I mean, I'm going to have to get, call an agent. Well, get an agent in here to, to negotiate my jury duty salary. What you're asking is who is the judge of such ah, things? I see what you did there. Maybe it's the judge. Maybe, maybe. I do not know. Yeah, all right. But, um, that you know, that's not too bad, at least for jury duty. Um, well, yeah. now, now it'll be tougher to get out too. I imagine. Yeah. I imagine if you're going to get paid a reasonable daily fee for your participation in jury duty, I imagine the financial hardship argument goes out the window because a lot of people are like, I can't serve on a jury because it will cause me a financial hardship at home. I can't remember what I got. I sat on a jury in the city of Chandler. It wasn't okay. it? Wasn't the Phoenix? Wasn't the state? It right. was the city of Chandler. It's only a six person jury too. Wow. Oh, we hung them high is what we did. We voted to convict. Wow. Aren't you now discussing the no. case after the fact? <laughs> no, I am, but hey, the judge and the uh, and the lawyers came into the jury room afterward. It was like it was like backstage passes to meet the celebrities from the trial. It was kind of odd, but it seems weird. I remember the jury that I was on in Northern California. One woman 
hesitated to cast her vote because she hadn't finished her crossword puzzle for the day. <laughs> I'm, I'm not lying. She was really paying attention she, to the trial. She was, there. literally had the paper folded on the back of her little notepad, and yeah, she was doing the. She, she wouldn't cast her vote until she was done with the crossword puzzle. True story. I think it's because Stevie Nicks, you know, has local ties, obviously. People take ownership, and the reactions to the song are strong. We just played Stand Back, and right before that, for what it's worth, a, a new version of the old Buffalo Springfield, you know, Stop, Hey, What's That Sound song. So here's what I'll say about it. Um, I actually never heard, I didn't hear it, you know, normally when we get a song and we listen to it before we put it on the air, but I wanted to have the same experience that you're having listening to it for the first time. I actually prefer her version of what it's worth over Stand Back. Mm-hmm. I think in her 70s, and she's in her 70s. Stevie Nicks has found a comfort in her voice that she didn't have when she was in her quote-unquote prime. Somebody, and, and, and I think it's, I think it's really good. And, but it doesn't matter what I think. Our program director actually wants to hear from you. So David Moore, D-A-V-I-D-M-O-O-R-E, all one word, at KSLX.com. Let, uh, literally, the, the guy that programs the radio station is saying, hey, let me know what you think of the song. Somebody emailed and said, sounds like Cindy Lauper. A little bit. There was, uh, there was a um, a little girlish quality to the voice, purposely done. I, I would think. assume so. Yeah, because yeah. the song is supposed to have sort of an innocence feel to it, and and she does a great job. And I I think that uh, musically it's good. I will say, I the, think the slide guitar is phenomenal. I, I will say, I I think it's a little long, but I think it's probably because she did a faithful recreation of the way she does it live. And live, it's more of a jam. I guarantee you, at the end of like when she does it live. Like sort of that hush stuff is, yeah. you know, she's she's working the audience yes. during that, yeah. probably getting them singing along and so forth. So yeah. it's probably that same arrangement. But 480-470-KSLX, um, we did get some thoughts. Oh, yes. On both sides. Yeah. I just wanted to say that that uh, Stevie Nicks version of For What, what It's Worth. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. I think that song is as relevant now as it was then. So good on her. Yeah. And I I would agree. There are some who think it's it's about her her stance on the recent Supreme Court decision regarding abortion. Right. You know, and by the I, way, we're uh, our abortion law now is the same one from before when we were a state. Yeah, no, yeah, I was, yeah. I was yeah, thinking so, about I mean, that today as I drove in in my covered wagon. Well, keep it, yes, keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, I was being drawn by my donkey. Um, keep in mind that song, I mean, the song in and of itself is brilliant. It was a brilliant song when it came out. Now, remember, that song was actually written not about Vietnam, not about what was going on. Uh, and it was written during the L.A. riots when they were they were sweeping people off the streets on the Sunset Strip back in the way, back in the day. It's a political statement. And here we are, you know, 50 years later, and it's still relevant. Stevie Nicks is making a nice, nice statement with it. Although some people didn't like it. Hey, the best part of that song is when it's over. Okay. All right, then. That's a simple <laughs> That's the statement right, right there. I'll give you a quick quiz here. Oh, okay. Stevie Nicks, a week from Thursday, she's at Auction Pavilion. All right, I'll probably be at the show. Right. She's covering a Led Zeppelin song. All right. It's from their fourth album. Uh, guess, guess which song? From the fourth album? Misty Mountain Hop. It's on the first side. Uh... <laughs> A black dog? No. The uh, first song, I believe. Is it really? Well, black. The, the first song is Black Dog. Is it second song then? Oh, rock and roll. Yes. Really? Yes. Boy, that's a that's a weird song that, for Stevie Nicks it, to be covering. I saw that. It, it was certainly very, is. Yeah. Very interesting to me. She's also, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know if she's always going to do it, but that's been part of the set at various times. All right. Yeah. What's the Tom Petty song she's doing? Uh, I know she's doing. Is she doing uh, from his first album without the Heartbreakers? Full Moon Fever. Oh Jesus, I don't know. Free Fallen. 
Okay. Yeah, which right. would be cool to see. Yeah, I get you know, and, that. And, and apparently there's a Tom Petty song playing before she comes on stage, so it's very much tribute-oriented, I well, think. keep in mind that she and Tom had a thing. They did have a thing, and they had a hit, too. So. Yeah. Let's open up the College of Rock and Roll Knowledge. Let's welcome Rose to the College of Rock and Roll Knowledge. Five questions, Rose. The same five that I'm going to give Mark, whoever gets more correct, will graduate. If you don't beat Mark, you'll have to tell everybody that you flunked out of the College of Rock and Roll Knowledge. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. First things first, I need you to do uh, something for me, and that is kick Mark out of the studio. With pleasure. Mark, would you please hell out of the studio today? Wow. Taking orders from someone named Rose. How odd. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Rose, question number one. How did Cheek Trip get their name? Is it slang for a budget-friendly hooker? Was it inspired at a Slade concert where Tom Peterson said that the band used every cheap trick in the book as part of their act? Or is it because Rick Nielsen liked to place whoopee cushions on their tour bus driver's seats? Wow. And I'm even from their hometown. I should know this backward and forward. What was option two, the middle one? The name was inspired at a Slade concert where Tom Peterson said the band used every cheap trick in the book as part of their act. I think I'm going with that one. I, I know I can answer two. All right, question number two. I've been through diamonds. I've been through minks. I've been through it all. What have I learned? Oh, my God. I've been through diamonds. I've been through minks. Um, love stinks. Question number three. Which Van Zant was in 38 special? Ronnie, Jimmy, Johnny, or Donnie? Wow. Jimmy Van Sant, perhaps? Question number four. Name the trace hombres that made up ZZ Top. Well, there's Frank Beard, the one without a beard, and then Dusty and um, Dusty Hill and his brother, not Hank Hill, but uh, Billy, Billy Gibbons. Question number five. Dr. Brian May from Queen earned his Ph.D. in which subject in 2007? Astrophysics, theoretical physics, or biomechanical engineering? Middle one. I like answer B. All right. We'll see how this goes. Crossing my fingers. Well, we'll see. All right. Let's see how Rose did. All right. All right. Mark, question number one. How did Cheap Trick get their name? Is it slang for a budget-friendly hooker? Was it inspired at a Slade concert where Tom Peterson commented that the band used every cheap trick in the book as part of their act? Or is it because Rick Nielsen liked to place whoopee cushions on their tour bus driver's seats? You know, I, I'm going to guess at the middle one, the Slade-related one. It is one-to-one. One. Question number two. Hello. I've been through diamonds. I've been through minks. I've been through it all. What have I learned? Love stinks. It is two to two. Question number three. Which Van Zant was in 38 special? Ronnie, Jimmy, Johnny, or Donnie? Donnie was the original lead singer of 38 special. And it is now three to two. Yeah. Question number four. Name the trace hombres that made up ZZ Top. That would be Frank Beard, Billy Gibbons, and Dusty Hill. 
It is four to three. And question number five, Dr. Brian May from Queen earned his Ph.D. in which subject in 2007? Astrophysics, theoretical physics, or biomechanical engineering? <laughs> um, one of the first two. I'll go with the astrophysics. And there you go. That is a five to three victory. Rose got some, Rose got some questions I didn't think she would get. Yeah, she yeah. did. She did very well, but not enough to win. So, Rose, Thank you know what you. you have to say here, right? I do. I'm afraid he kicked my butt, and I'm flunked out on the college rock and roll. <laughs> but Rose, hang in there. We got some of those off road expo tickets to give you. Okay. Awesome. You bet I will. <laughs> All right, we'll do that all week, by the way. It's just a, just a spiff for getting through, basically. All right. A spiff. Yeah. It's a nice word. I don't even know what it means. You never heard that? I've never heard a spiff. Really? I don't know what a spiff is. Yeah, a spiff is, you know, it's a little something extra. Well, that's a lanyap. Yeah, spiff. Well, yeah, lanyap. That's what they yeah. call that down in Louisiana. Lanyap. Little, uh, that 13th donut. It's a lanyap. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a spiff. Yeah. All it's, right. It's a Latvian word that I, means a little something extra. Yeah, and lanyap is a, fr- is a French word. That means, is it Latvian? <laughs> no, I, don't I, know. I have no idea. I could, you could have, you know what, if you hadn't, if you hadn't <laughs> cracked a smile, I might have bought that. That's the, t- the key to telling a good lie is to be so firm in your delivery that you <laughs> yourself right, exactly. Believe it. Yes. Don't we know it? Good morning. Listen to Mark and Neanderthal when you get to work with the free KSLX app. 100.7 KSLX. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.